In December 1988, Lieutenant Frank Drebin literally stumbles on a plot to assassinate the Queen. In a desperate pursuit to protect her and uphold justice, Frank is thrown into a world he looks like he doesn't understand. Can he overcome danger, hypnotize baseball players, and go into the bathroom on live TV? Can he save the Queen, find love, and somersault into our hearts? Will he get kicked off the force or kicked in the bird? Or both? Well, that's why we're here, movie likers. To find out if we still like the naked gun from the files of Police Squad. Did you ever like a movie one time in your life but don't know if you still do? Well, if you don't have time to watch it at the moment, me and a guest will for you. See me, some strangers, and some friends of mine are gonna see what flicks stand the test of time. So if you're curious to know what holds up and what doesn't about some old movie you saw with your cousin, you're in the right place and you know you might just find out. Do you still like this? Welcome back, movie likers. I'm Word Burglar, or SJ, Sean, whatever you want to call me. Except not Shirley, right? No, wrong movie. Today we're watching The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad with my guest, Mark Palermo. Mark chose this as his movie to find out if he still liked. <laughs> and that's exactly what we are about to do. I'm sure many of you are probably familiar with The Naked Gun. If you're not, I think it's still going to be a really fun episode to tune into. Uh, that's, we'll go through the plot. We'll uh, break down some of our favorite moments. And, of course, answer the big question do we still like this thanks to all my past guests this year has been amazing really excited to wrap up the year with this episode and of course we got a huge lineup of more movies and great guests coming up in 2020 so i just want to wish everyone uh, happy holidays and happy new year i hope you're all having fun and uh safe and smart holidays and uh you know just really appreciate you all tuning in I did drop a new holiday song called My Christmas Catalog Number. You can find that on any digital streaming service, and it's my little tribute to the Sears catalog, which I used to love reading as a kid around this time of year, which is, of course, December 2019. A lot of big things cooking for 2020, so definitely check back with us then. And for now, let's just get into this. Mark Palermo, film writer, film critic. You can check out his movie, uh, Detention, which uh, is a really, really cool movie, um, among many other awesome works. Mark and I go back to our uh, days, uh, the halcyon days in Halifax, of watching movies and geeking out a lot. So it's always a treat catching up with Mark, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. And as always, stick around for uh, the Give Me Some Credits section. All right, uh, without further ado, let's hop into The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad with Mark Palermo. <laughs> How's that coffee? That's really good. You make good coffee, Sean. Oh, you're welcome. So you've been doing it for a while? Yeah, I've been making coffee. I got into coffee later in life. Same By with that, me. I mean like 22 maybe. I was 20. Yeah. I, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Uh, I was mad because uh, my mom woke me up early and uh, I was planning the movie Go with Katie Holmes. Remember that movie? Yeah, Sarah Polly in that and Sarah Polly had just opened and I was excited to go see it, but I was tired and was gonna complaining that I was going to be tired through the movie I wanted to see. And then my mom was like, 
why don't you make some coffee? I was like, what? And then I like drank coffee every day since then. It then you were ready to go. I was ready to go. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> you steal my sunshine. Was yeah. that the definitive raver movie? I think, uh, well, uh, the uh, definitive mainstream one, at least, I, I would say so. I mean, it's kind of like a Pulp Fiction ripoff in a way, but it's a good one because it's like the three stories that intertwine again, too. But yeah, it's set around the rave scene. Do you enjoy coffee when you go to movies now? Like, do you take a coffee in? Um... I have, but not regularly, no. No. What's your preferred movie uh, um, refreshment? I, I like getting those giant Arizona iced teas because <laughs> they cost 99 cents. <laughs> oh, so you sneak them in. I sneak them in. You sneak in a giant tin of Arizona iced tea. Listen, they don't do anything. And my feeling is like you can't have an opinion on the economy if you're buying like $8, like jujubes at the concession stand come on oh yeah well, i always like stop by shoppers drug market yeah now they have a dollarama right upstairs yeah. you know oh, i don't buy candy at dollarama no that's where i draw the line yeah that's a bit too cheap i don't dollarama just smells like bad plastic every time i no matter There's any a lot dollarama of bad I go plastic to. in there yeah yeah it's yeah. just it's overwhelmed with toxic plastics and <laughs> bad <laughs> okay. like knockoff chocolate bars like wow it doesn't bug me that much but yeah i see what you mean no i don't i don't trust the chocolate bars there i don't trust food from dollarama they've got this <laughs> terrifying bag of like movie popcorn i saw that yeah with the a, clown on it it's because they know there's a movie theater downstairs yeah what's with that and it's like actual movie popcorn people don't actually buy that crazy clown popcorn and i don't know the theater do they well it's not warm i don't know what they want out of movie popcorn like but, but you can't smuggle that in your pants. Listen, man, one time we were at the uh, the Atlantic Film Festival at the midnight screening of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and we were at Freeman's, not Freeman's, Gatsby's before, and we decided we were going to bring a pizza in and eat it, and we just did. They don't do anything. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think we covered that because you were a guest on Weekend at Bergie's. Oh, okay, we, yeah, had yeah. A, we had a lovely right. chat on that episode. Listeners can tune into that. Of course, I'm talking with Mark Palermo, movie connoisseur, movie writer, movie lover, and movie friend. Oh, you're a friend to movies. Would you would you say that's accurate? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the good ones. No, I, I like movies. Movies were my first passion in life, and I don't know where it came from. And one of those movies was the 1988 classic, The Naked Gun, starring Leslie Nielsen. This debuted in December. 1988. Why did you pick The Naked Gun for a movie that you wanted to know if you still liked? <laughs> um, well, uh, part of it was that I, I liked the premise of your show, and I started thinking about what a movie was that I liked as a kid that I haven't seen in a long time. And the problem with me is I rewatch these movies a lot. Um, and then a couple movies started to occur to me, and like I thought about like. Well, I think I liked The Gods Must Be Crazy a lot, but I didn't really watch that movie that many times. And I started thinking of like other comedies like that, like, oh, The Naked Gun, that was a, a huge movie for me. How many times do you estimate you saw it in I, your I younger years? Probably within a two-year period, uh, maybe 10. 
Yeah, well, Naked Gun, you couldn't escape this movie. I feel right. like all throughout the 90s, the Naked Gun and then Naked Gun 2 and Naked Gun 3 and all the other Leslie Nielsen, yep. uh, you know, crime comedies, mm-hmm. crimedies, if you will. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they were, you couldn't escape them. So I feel like any video store, any movie theater, like poster aisle, anything was just Naked Gun, Naked Gun, Naked Gun. And you just right. knew his face. Um, Leslie Nielsen, of course, playing Frank Drebin. So this debuted in December 1988. Just to give our listeners an idea of what else they could have seen in the theater at the time, uh, there was uh, a movie called They Live, which debuted in November 1988. Great film. Great film. I have no awareness of They Live ever being in the theater, but it must have been. Well, it was. it came out in November 1988, so I'm guessing if this came out on December 2nd, there's a good chance you could have seen They Live. Uh, maybe you wanted to see Oliver and Company. I saw Oliver and Company in the theater. Yeah, that's with the cat. And uh, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I think Barry Manilow wrote some of the soundtrack for that one. That's a deep cut. Huh. Uh, I know that because, of course, I'm a huge Barry Manilow fan. Uh, huh. Ernest Save Christmas was also in theaters right, uh, right. In around this time. Uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Um, I'm going to get you, sucker. Uh, Rain Man came out uh, two weeks after this, talk radio, a whole bunch of cool things. And this was actually, uh, I didn't know this until years later, but Naked Gun is actually a continuation of a short-lived TV series called Police Squad. That's right. I saw Police Squad. I don't know if I saw it before the movie or after it. I can't remember. It didn't make as big of an impression on me as a movie, and I think that has to do with my age because I know a lot of people who prefer Police Squad to the Naked Gun movies. Yeah, it, sh- it was short-lived. Like, it was on in the early 80s. I didn't really know it. Um, mm-hmm. Again, uh, it's directed by David Zucker and written by David Zucker, Jim Abrahams, and Jerry Zucker. And these creators were behind Airplane right. and Top Secret. Uh, David Zucker did Kentucky Fried Movie prior to, to all this. So they had a lot of experience doing comedy movies. Yes. So uh, they had built up a, lo- a pretty big resume of spoofy gag films uh, mm-hmm. leading up to this, which I think is pretty evident once we start unpacking this film. We're going to... It's like right. the gags are out of control. <laughs> like yes, you're going to yeah, gag on these Pretty fast-paced, yeah. It's, it's insane how much they pack into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was your first memory of seeing this? At Christmas time, 88. It's funny. I saw in the theater Oliver and Company. I saw The Land Before Time. I saw Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And I saw Scrooged. For me, I didn't know what the Naked Gun was really, so I would guess I probably hadn't seen Police Squad. All I knew is that there was an old guy on the poster who was not Steve Martin. And I was like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> you know? He was the 62-year-old at the time. 62. Okay, I was Leslie wondering Nielsen, how old he was. Canada's yeah. own. Canada's born own. Born in Saskatchewan, I right. believe. So I didn't know who he was. And when I was a kid, my heroes were people like Eddie Murphy and, and Chevy Chase and Steve Martin. I guess because, like... You know, they, uh, I wasn't like big into sports or anything, but these, and these guys are just, just kind of showed you could get by just by being wittier than everyone else in the room. And that was exciting to me. So the Naked Gun opened. I might have seen a trailer for it and thought I should see that at some point, but I didn't see it until it came out on video. I rented it from Super Video in Rockingham Ridge, which is not there anymore. Shout out Super Video. Shout out Super Video. There are no more Super Videos around. That's true. That's Previously, true. Video Villa. That's oh, right, Video Villa. Okay. And then I don't know if there was some type of 
copyright dispute, but uh, when it opened around me at Church of Morris, like it was right at Morris and Queen, it was yeah. Video Villa, and then like a year or two later, became it became Super Video. Super Video. So either Super Video bought out Video Villa, or some other Video Villa uh, empire. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. And did that Super Video, it had like the character whose like head was a, a, a videotape. Yeah. With a yeah. cape on it. Same one, same one. Right. Because when you'd rent a video, it would have the locations on it. So I, I remember thinking, oh, that's a location out there. I guess if they don't have Ghostbusters 2, I could rent it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, where was yours? And it, it, was a, it was in, in Rockingham in Ridge Rockingham, on yeah. Farnham Gate Road. Um, you know, the, the strip mall is still there, but yeah. none of the old stores, I don't think. But that had... We had a beta, and it was hard to find beta rentals anywhere. But they had them for a little while, and they they usually get like the new releases. Like you know, I remember renting like Short Circuit Two from there. So it was around the '88, '89 era. And yeah, I watched uh, I got the Naked Gun out. Um, oh wait, could I backtrack a bit? Please so do. so I was watching. <laughs> Between the time when the movie was in theaters and it was on video, I was watching Jeopardy, and there was this nerdy guest on Jeopardy. Let's say his name was Kenny, and you know the part where Alex Trebek, you know, tells everyone to like tell a story about themselves, and Ken and he's like, "So Kenny, I hear that you are a big fan of the movie The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad." <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a clunky title. <laughs> and and Kenny says. Yes, and it's important to me that yeah, I'm a single man. If I date a woman, she has to also love this movie because it's the funniest movie ever. And I'm thinking, like, you know, this is uh, um, a pretty trivial standard for who to date. It's like, you know, saying I would only date a woman who owns the whole Criterion collection or whatever. <laughs> um, but I was like, all right, maybe this Naked Gun movie is really funny if this dorky guy likes it. <laughs> um, and so... Um, yeah, I rented it. I probably watched it with my father and my brother because we were more into um, genre type movies than my mom was, who's like kind of more, she liked comedies, but more dramatic ones. And to me, it was like, it hit me as um, this movie understands me. It's like all the serious parts that you have in, you know, even a movie like Ghostbusters or a movie like Scrooge or Dirty Rotten Scoundrels or whatever, it got rid of them all. It was nothing but like pure silliness. Nothing, even the plot is incidental, you know? And to me, it was like just a response to the, it was kind of making fun of the entire world in a way that I was like, wow, this is like, uh, um, this is how I want to relate to things. And it really informed my own sense of humor in a way. Almost, it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon in a lot of ways. Very true, yeah. Um, yeah. And just nonstop rapid fire gags. I remember Naked Gun. I remember kids on like the school ground at recess, like quoting this movie before I'd ever seen it. And like some of the mm -hmm. older kids on my street, like they knew the Naked Gun, and everyone was talking about the Naked Gun. And I didn't actually see it until I clearly remember it was like grade six, you know, right before summer vacation when the teachers don't really know what to do with you and they've got to kill time for a week. Mm -hmm. So my teacher, Monsieur Wa, who was a super cool, funny guy. I think he thought this was a hilarious movie to right. show to a bunch of kids in grade six. <laughs> okay. Oh, you watched it in school? And we watched it in school. And then I remember there was a scene, uh, the scene where they put on the giant body condoms. And yep. uh, you know, I think my teacher was like, don't tell anyone you watched. <laughs> right, right. Wow. Um, but it was, uh, so, but it, I remember we all laughed and, 
And then, yeah, I just feel like throughout the 90s, there were naked gun. It was everywhere. Leslie Nielsen, and then, of course, all those spoof movies, like the fu- the one that spoofed right. The Fugitive. and uh, Wrongfully Accused. Wrongfully Accused. <laughs> the funny thing is, I don't think I saw any of the Leslie Nielsen movies after the three naked gun movies. I don't know why. Um, yeah, well, they kind of petered out, but this was the big one. It mm-hmm. opened... So the box office, do you have any idea what the box office was for this? I think I looked it up, it was like 78 million. Yeah, 78 million for this thing. Yeah. Which is... It's like at least 150 million today. Exactly, right? yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty good. So <laughs> the Naked Gun from the files of Police Squad. Basically, uh, Leslie Nielsen is, he's Sergeant Frank Drebin. Mm-hmm. And essentially, like, all you need to know is that he's a master of solving crimes by accident. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, he's good at avoiding certain doom. Uh, he's an expert of the confused look, the deadpan, the nervous surprise, the furrowed brow, the cross eye. Um, I don't know if you agree with this. He's like, he's somehow sexist, but woke at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. I'm not sure if he ever knows what's happening. But like, yeah. yeah, I mean, he is a master of the lewd innuendo, mm-hmm. uh, a master of disguise, a master of martial arts, uh, a master of knocking people out, like either barehanded or with with whatever object he finds. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, Leslie Nielsen, he started out as a serious actor. Like, The Poseidon Adventure was a big movie for him. Um, and then, yeah, he, I guess he made his sort of comedy breakout in Airplane, which was, I think it was, was that 1980 around? I, I think it's 80, yeah. Yeah, so this, eight years later, this was kind of like Airplane for the next generation. It was like, yeah, this is Airplane for us now. That, that's <laughs> right. That's exactly how I feel about it, too, that it hit us at, Naked Gun came out when we were the right age for it, you know. I watched the movie with my cousin last night, and she had never seen it before. And she was like, your dad let you watch this when you were in grade six? It's like, because, <laughs> you know, there's kind of a lot of very sexual humor in the movie. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Like we're going we're gonna to get into all that good stuff. Um, the cast, really quick, Priscilla Presley, uh-huh. uh, Elvis's ex-wife, um, plays Jane. Ricardo Montalban, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Khan. Khan, yes. Uh, O.J. Simpson, which mm-hmm. is uh, a bit uncomfortable. We'll talk yep. about that. George Kennedy, who's sort of a classic uh, actor. His, his really recognizable face. You see that guy like, oh, that guy. Yeah, he was on Dallas, I remember. Oh, good, good memory. Um, music by Ira Newborn. There's also a Randy Newman jam in here. There is. I shazammed it when it was yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's actually a really catchy song at the end credits. It's like an old one, Peter Noon, uh, I'm Into Something Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so let's just dive in. Are you ready to, to kind of dive into this? And let's, then if you, let's go if for you it. have any other thoughts that occur to you along the way, please yep. okay. in- interject. So, um, oh, starting up on this movie, I was a bit, I was like, okay, this could go a lot of different ways. Because yep. we open in Beirut, and uh, we see there's like a gathering of, would you say, the world's superpowers of evil, maybe? Yeah, um, there's a lot of kind of, you know, uh, Middle Eastern leaders and things, and Gorbachev is there. Yeah, like sort of uh, interpreted enemies of peace and freedom, I think. Right. Heightened, yeah, Gorbachev, Yasser Arafat, like there's a bunch of people like that, and you're like, well, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're having a meeting um, and they're angry at America. Yep. 
for something. But I, I, I think I think they dislike that America has all the power in their opinion. Yes. Um. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is our opening sequence, and I was like, "Oh no, where is this? Yeah. Is this going to get really bad really fast?" But um, the the server of the tea um, reveals himself to be Leslie Nielsen. And then <laughs> basically kicks everyone's <laughs> butt. That's true, yes. Um. He, like, slams down some hot tea and uh, single-handedly, uh, you know, breaks out these ninja skills. Um, and it should be noted, Leslie Nielsen did a lot of his own stunts in this. Did he? Okay. Yeah, I, I, know I don't know how much he did in this scene. Um but yeah, he basically uh, like r- grabs Gorbachev, rubs off his birthmark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a, which is a, yeah, I guess actually like some uh, rub-on tattoo or something. It says, "I knew it." Yeah, so he like single-handedly like defeats all of America's enemies in one room, and uh, and that's sort of our opening right sequence it's just this crazy slapstick beat him up it's uh, funny yeah i had a weird response to that scene at first because i was like oh no so like um it's basically leslie nielsen comes in and kicks everyone's butt and it's like okay so america actually is the great superpower but then the door slams on his face so it's kind of having it both ways you know yeah he's very good at the Mm self-deprecating things um they don't let you think oh wow frank drebin is like Invincible. He's still capable of totally screwing up. For sure. Um, then, do we go to OJ first? Um, right. Yeah. Yes. There, there's an OJ sequence. Yes. Okay. So yeah, take us through this. Okay. So OJ Simpson is. Um, I guess he's been Frank's partner for a while. He plays Nordberg. Plays <laughs> Nordberg. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is that his last name? I don't know. I don't know. It's like share. I don't know. Yeah. And he's, I guess, breaking in on a, a, a drug bust. Is this correct? Yeah, he's he's. It opens with you see OJ sneaking around mm-hmm. um, by at the docks. Night by right. the docks, and honestly, I kind of got. I felt a little uncomfortable. It's well, a bit creepy, what like knowing what would happen just a few years later. Yeah. Um, and uh, I personally think OJ is a despicable piece of human garbage, mm-hmm. but. Him sneaking around, uh, certainly this is 88, and he was still kind of America's football darling, which is really weird to see. Yep. Um, but he's sneaking around, and, uh, <laughs> and he stumbles onto a heroin deal. I think the boat he's is... like at a dockyard, and the boat's it's called a, I Love called You. Called I Love You, yeah. yeah. So Norberg tries to kick down the door, but his foot gets caught in the door, and so it just makes a hole in it instead of kicking it down, and everyone has time to take their guns out. And uh, it's kind of a funny scene because uh, he finally breaks in and says, drop your weapons, and only one guy does. And then everyone looks at him like he's crazy, so he picks it up again. Um, And then Norberg stumbles into a fireplace, and he steps into a bear trap. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a series of uh, of violent uh, things happen to Nordberg, which honestly I was kind of like, oh, good. Like, you know, it's good to see him getting beat up. That's it, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think having O.J. Simpson in a movie at this point was probably a big deal. I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. There's another big sports celebrity later on in the film. Um, But yeah, O.J. is here. So yeah, so we get the idea that he's a cop. He gets basically like shot six times or something, and which basically puts him in the hospital for the rest of the movie. So then we do cut back. We cut back to the airport, and Frank Drebin's getting off the plane, and paparazzi's there. A, now, this was like a big moment. When I heard, oh, this was sure. the reason now that I'm, when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I had to see this movie, because <laughs> somebody told me yep. that 
that this particular it's person second cameo. Yeah, yeah, this cameo was in this movie because they're at the airport and and Frank Drebin thinks they're all here to address him because hey, he just saved America by defeating all its foes single handedly. Yep. Um, and he starts to give a uh, you know a little press conference and they say, hey, they're they're not here for you, man. Weird <laughs> Al Yankovic's on the plane, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which is. One of the greatest cameos, I think, in For modern sure. cinema. <laughs> right. Th- this was probably the height of Weird Al's career, too, this time in history, right? 88? Yeah, because yeah. UHF was around the corner, and uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, you just had a, a string of huge hits in the 80s. Yeah. Um, and what a funny thing for him to do, because who would be waiting outside of a plane? Totally. <laughs> and, and I think like at this point, we're kind of understanding what this movie's going to be, because we've opened with these two kind of slapstick sequences, uh, both in Beirut and with O.J. Simpson, and now it's like, now Weird Al Yankovic's involved, and we're kind of um, getting more of the comedic styles that this film's going to throw at us for the next 85 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And so Frank is picked up by his partner, Ed, who is played by George Kennedy, and then Ed is informing Frank that Nordberg has been given uh, 50-50 odds of surviving, but uh, there's only a 10% chance of that. So Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole thing is um, there's a lot of jokes in here reminiscent of that famous line from Airplane where Leslie Nielsen says, and don't call me Shirley. So there's right. a lot of like little, the writing kind of follows that pattern in a lot of ways. Th- there's, there's a style of writing in this movie where like every line is kind of something funny and but they come so fast that you don't really have time to recognize until like they're already talking about something else. Like, was that joke super corny or was it good? You know, and, and I kind of like that feeling about it. Yeah, and th- this was a precursor as well to The Simpsons, right? Like, The Simpsons didn't hit till 1990. That's true. That's so true. So I noticed a lot of similarities in just types of jokes like that, which again would later be like you'd see in stuff like Family Guy or whatever, where it's just like a rapid rapid succession mm-hmm. of gag after gag after gag where you can't catch your breath. Yeah. Um, I think so too. I think it's the speed of this stuff that was like really impressive to me. Because if you think about it, we, you know, you're right, like Airplane came out first and Top Secret came out first, but we were really little kids when those movies opened. Because for me, the comedy movies through the 80s that were sort of in the style of The Naked Gun were the Police Academy movies, and also Spaceballs, because so kind of these, like, Mel Brooks-type things. And I like, Sp- uh, Spaceballs, I think, is clearly better than the Police Academy films are. But something about, like, Naked Gun just took it all up a level. Like, it was, like, trying so much harder, and, like, there were so many gags flying from every direction. Yeah, because there's visual gags here. There's obviously a lot of really funny written jokes. Uh, the performances um, are mm-hmm. all over-the-top comedic. Totally, um, yeah. So we get to the hospital. OJ, a.k.a. Nordberg, is uh, is in the hospital bed. And there's actually some funny interaction with Frank, just sort of like right. saying, what can I get you? And, and Nordberg's trying to tell him what he saw. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, I love you. He's like, oh, I love you too. But where, <laughs> where, where did you find the drug dealers? On... He's like a boat. He's like, oh, I'll take you on a cruise after after <laughs> we get you out of here. Mm. Is there anything you want to? So, so so Nordberg's wife comes in. I think Frank is trying to console her that things could be worse, but all the like possibilities of how bad things could be are just making her like completely break down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind yeah, of a funny scene. <laughs> <just> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're terrible at, at consoling his wife. Yeah, L- like one thing that kind of impressed me is there's. In my opinion, not a lot of like hyper sexist humor in this movie that you think there would be. However, there were kind of a couple parts where there's very mild like homophobic jokes, and I feel there was one here where you know he says like he could be caught like you know with 
with a gaggle of gay men or something like that. But the jokes never go quite far enough that they're really like mean to anybody, you know. And yeah, I think that joke is more about him cheating on her as opposed to it's maybe a dig towards uh, right. gay people. But, yeah, totally. But yeah, I don't know. That's just sort of how I heard it. But I read it that way as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah because it does – like I I did find there were some sexist things a bit later on, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll get to that. Um, then we cut to a press conference because uh, the queen is coming to town. Right. And the police, have <laughs> 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 you know, being Canadian, this didn't seem like a big deal. But I guess it's kind of funny that, like, the Queen's coming to California. And, <laughs> you know, the police are in charge with doing, you know, planning all this protection for her. Uh, so they're having a press conference. And this scene actually brought out the inner seven-year-old in me <laughs> and, and gave me my first, like, really big laugh of the mm-hmm. of the, this rewatch. Right. Because I have not seen this movie in over 20 years. Okay, well, same as me, yeah. Yeah, well, probably well over that. So, Leslie Nielsen's giving a a speech at the press conference saying what kind of, what the police are going to do to protect the queen. And he has to, his mic isn't working, so he takes the mic from, uh, who is she? Is she like the the mayor, I guess? The yeah, mayor gives him her mic? I guess she's the mayor. It seems like she's like in charge of the cops or something, but yeah, I, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you remember this scene from being a kid? Um, I, I didn't recall. Well, I remembered when it started, I, but, but you know, it wasn't a scene that I had in my mind beforehand. You yeah. know what I'm getting? Yes, to? yes, yes. So, okay, so Leslie Nielsen has his mic on and he, he goes to the restroom and everyone can hear him peeing over the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is such a simple, stupid joke, but it's done so well. But but I'm curious because I think this is something that probably happens a lot on movie sets. Um, when we were making Detention, a kid who played the young version of the principal in the movie had his mic on and he went to the bathroom. It wasn't number one, it was number two. Oh, no. But all the sound guys were like, "What am I hearing?" And like, <laughs> and so I wonder if like the makers of the uh, <laughs> oh man, I, I wonder if the, the, the guys who who made this film are have like experienced that joke on a film set before. I don't know. Um, it is a really funny one though. It's so classic, you know, peeing with the mic on. It's just a timeless <laughs> gag executed with artistic precision. You know, they cut to, like, families watching this press conference at home. Oh, yeah. And they're yeah. hearing, like, the sound. It's it's being overridden so that all you're hearing <laughs> is peeing and, like, and then Leslie Nielsen farting. And then you're just seeing him, like, be so relaxed. And, and then, of course, just when he, you think he's done peeing, he's got to go back I felt like it lasted like um, two minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one of the longer <laughs> pee scenes in movie history, I would say. Um, yeah, so that was that was actually pretty funny, and uh, you know, it's it's easy to be, you know, to feel ashamed for laughing at something so silly, but I I felt it was awesome. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it was a good scene, and I think that's kind of what you know. I, I, I looked at a couple like review quotes on Rotten Tomatoes after, and someone said uh, something like, "You really need to." Put yourself in the mindset of how you were at 14 to laugh at this stuff, but once you do, it's really good. And I kind of feel that way. You need to be, that's a 14-year-old's favorite joke. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, there's other parts of this film that I had no recollection of whatsoever. Like, if Mm -hmm. you had asked me what the plot was before watching this, I'm like, I don't know, it's just he's stopping crimes. And, like, it's, but... So now they've set it up that the queen is coming to town and police squad have to take care uh, of the queen and protect her at all costs. Right. 
So um, Leslie Nielsen, he, he he's still investigating this drug uh, thing that's happened with Nordberg. So he goes down to the dock and uh, and, and meets this thug. And <laughs> this is yeah. actually a good scene too yep. with the bribes. Yep. Uh, I can't specifically remember what he's asking him. He's, he's getting information on on this boat. I love you. Is that correct? Yeah. So he goes down to the docks and finds this like stereotypical like you know mob thuggy guy. Yep. And and uh, and, he, and Leslie Nielsen, Frank Drebin says, "What do you know about um, about this boat? I love you." And the guy's like, "I'm not sure. I know anything." He's like, "Oh yeah, maybe this will help." And he hands him twenty dollars. And he says, "I'm still not so sure." Like, "Oh yeah, how about now?" And he gives him like another twenty dollars. And he says, "Yeah, I remember." And then he tells him. And then he's like, "Why do you want to know?" <laughs> and Trevor's like, "That's none of your business." Oh yeah, maybe it is now. And he gives him twenty dollars. Like, yeah, the thug <laughs> then is like bribing yeah. him back with yeah. the money. So he just returns all the money to to uh, Frank Drebin. Yeah, that was kind of a. a and this a goes back and forth for a few for a minute or two. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then it actually the way it works. Like and then the thug is like, oh, can I borrow twenty bucks to pay you <laughs> the twenty bucks? He's like, spot me twenty. And then I think mm-hmm. Leslie Nielsen leaves, made and he made money on this transaction. <laughs> okay. I was like doing the math. I'm like, oh, I think he's got <laughs> twenty bucks more than what it he was got profitable in, in the end. So I have a question: When you were like a kid, did you realize that the Naked Gun was like a spoof of police TV shows? No, I think I just thought it was a funny yeah, me too. cop movie, right? So this is clearly, yeah, they're pulling from everything. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, again, sort of is what made me think of The Simpsons, because it really is just a lot of parodies and spoof stuff. Nothing really new, but definitely this was done well. Um, we go to the meeting with the chairman of the Queen's Reception Committee, uh, Ludwig, uh, <laughs> played by Ricardo Montalban. Yeah, wait, what's his full name? It's something, um, it's like, not Ludwig Beethoven, Vincent Ludwig. <laughs> right, so it's a very kind of <laughs> high-brow name. <laughs> <laughs> so Vincent Ludwig lives uh, this lavish lo- lifestyle. He's got these $20,000 uh, Japanese fighting fish. Mm-hmm. He's got some, like, samurai pen or, like, a mini samurai sword or something that's... You know, it's priceless, and of course, uh, hilarity ensues. Um, I like when they meet and they shake hands. And uh-huh. Ricardo Montalban just shakes his hand, and Frank just says, "The feeling is mutual." <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> That's pretty good. It's great. It's perfect. They're both feeling yeah. a mutual. It's a mutual feeling. It's uh-huh. brilliant. Yeah, that's the type of hilarious writing that you will find in this film. Totally, and and I feel like that scene, as well as like the peeing scene, which was like a couple scenes before, it's a way that, like the the story is kind of happening, but the joke is happening over the story. So, like the scene with Ricardo Mont- Montalban, he's explaining all this stuff, and I'm not really even paying attention to it because you're laughing at the joke of Frank trying to hide that he's murdered a fish. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, all that stuff is just sort of to get to the next gag, right? Totally, yeah. yeah. So, and that's why I think I didn't really remember what the plot is. But so, yeah, Ludwig has been uh, charged with protecting the queen, uh, but he, there's something sinister about this guy. We can't quite figure it out. Uh, and then we meet Jane, played by Priscilla Presley. She comes down the stairs and at first looks very ravishing, and then trips and kind of stumbles <laughs> down the stairs. Like, yeah. perfect comedic timing. Like, she actually did a great job in this, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we only see, like, Frank's reaction of her falling down the stairs, I think, and just kind of hear the sound effects, which which really works for it, because I'm sure it would look completely ridiculous, but 
yeah, we get a great Frank Drebin, uh, confused, absurd face, like, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he starts to, you start to hear Frank's inner monologue, where he's describing how <laughs> attractive he is to her. Um, <laughs> and this is where, you know, the sexual innuendo really starts to go over the top. Right. Um, but uh, it's pretty, there's some good lines, like he says... Uh, her hair was the color of gold you see in old paintings. <laughs> <laughs> old paintings. And then he says something like, her legs were like things you'd want to just suck on for a day. <laughs> yeah, he does say something what? like that. Yeah. It's a pretty deep throat, man. Yeah. So they make plans uh, to have dinner uh, sometime mm-hmm. later. Right? Yeah. Um, and... Uh, uh, they say something. There's some other line, and uh, he goes, "Let's let's let's do dinner tonight." And she says, "Like, how about a rain check?" And he's like, "Let's just stick to dinner." <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple jokes like that. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Um, how would you describe Jane? Um, I mean, she, in a way, she's kind of as clueless as Frank is, especially because um, uh, Vincent Ludwig has uh, sort of. You know, set her up to kind of, you know, corrupt Frank, and and she's she's really there to um, sabotage him while pretending that she's in love. But she falls for him anyway. Um, so I think uh, Jane is well-meaning, but also kind of as clueless as our hero is. Is anybody smart in this movie? I don't know. Oh, the scientist is smart. That's true. <laughs> we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk about him because we're getting to him. Uh, so we cut back to the... Uh, Frank has to go back to the police station, and he parks his car but accidentally triggers the airbag, which uh, mm-hmm. sets into motion a series of unfortunate <laughs> events for his car, yes. which winds up just driving down the street and exploding and causing uh, chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and he he fires at it a bunch of times because it's kind of driving out of control. Possibly injuring people. Yes. As we learn throughout this film, like Frank has like a past of actually accidentally murdering people. I know, it's pretty <laughs> crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that time he killed five people who were performing Shakespeare, in the, Shakespeare in the park or something. Those were real actors. Yeah. <laughs> Good ones. Yeah. Um so we get in we meet Ted, who is the uh I guess the police gadget scientist. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he he is a carryover from the TV show that they were just... I think he might be. Yeah. Um, the only gags I remember for sure on the TV shows, I remember the opening credits, which are just kind of following the police car down the road with that music playing. And also, there was one joke that I laughed at as a little kid where someone's, they're at like a club and someone says, cover all exits, and then they start putting like sheets over the exit signs, which is a really stupid one. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, I mean, clearly, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the architecture for th- for the Naked Gun series was Definitely. in place. Yeah, but the scientists may have been there, yeah. Um, yeah, because you get the feeling that th- this is a bit of an established world, right? Like the police squad and, okay, let's talk to Ted, the gadget scientist. And then there's Al, the super giant um, right. <laughs> guy <laughs> giant who just kind of shows up. And there's some funny gags with him. Um, one of Ted's gadgets uh, – or inventions that is on display here is the anti-graffiti wall which <laughs> actually uh, anytime someone graffitis it it graffitis the graffiti people right and <laughs> the weird thing is it's not just spraying the paint off that they put onto it it has like its own paint inside it because it's all green and they're spraying different colors at it yeah yeah and it ruins their clothes so 
I don't know if that's the most cost-efficient way to uh, stop graffiti vandals, but... (laughs) 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 Uh, So Ted shows uh, Frank and Ed the Swiss Army shoe, which is uh, is pretty cool. Um, It's exactly what you'd think. Mm -hmm. Knives and screwdriver and scissors all popping out of a shoe, uh, which... (laughs) Does he wind up using? I don't think he winds up using. I don't think it shows up later. No. No. um, The dart firing cufflinks, however, Mm -hmm. those uh, wind up getting uh, used later in the film. Spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, so Leslie Nielsen is just sort of like trying all this stuff. Like, oh, I could use some new cufflinks. Um, And here I kind of had a thought. Uh huh. He kind of reminds me of the Tick. Frank's um, character, like, he's sort of oblivious. He's obviously a little more clued into the world than the tick. But I, I, there are certain parts of this film where I'm like, oh, he's like, there's aspects of the tick, the you, comic and cartoon character yeah. for those Is listening. It that he sort of saves the day accidentally? Yeah, he kind of saves the day accidentally and is a bit kind of clueless, but generally well-meaning and Mm -hmm. surprisingly competent at things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And a bit of his delivery and stuff as well. Well, that's the thing. I think, like, Frank isn't, like, malicious. He realizes when something's gone wrong. Like, um, I think he clues in that he's. it's, like, his own car that's gone out of control in that scene at the very end of it, you know. Um, So we get, like, that kind of sense out of him a bit. Um, but He's yeah. definitely super confident. He does. Yeah, he <laughs> is. He is. He means well and has probably uh, more ego than he should have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we start to find out what Ricardo Montalban, a.k.a. Ludwig's, plans really are. Because we cut back and, uh, and we see him entertaining, um, what's the guy's name? Papschmier? Yes, Papschmier, yes. <laughs> and I don't know who Papschmier is. Like, is Papschmier, has Papschmier hired Ludwig? Like, something's revealed here that now we find out Ludwig is, respons- is behind this plot now to assassinate the queen. Right. So you think he's been hired by Pap? Is Papschmier the guy in the opening scene in Beirut who's kind of like, there's like one guy in the middle of the table who sort of looks really suspicious. Oh, maybe that, I didn't even pick up on that. Uh, Because at the time I watched it, I was like, was that him? I'm not sure. I might be wrong there. Well, Papschmier steps into his office and he's talking to Ludwig. And then Ludwig calls in Monique, his uh, assistant, who's not Jane anymore. It's a different assistant. Yeah, yeah. And he reveals that she is um, under hypnosis mm-hmm. and she pulls out a gun and is about and starts trying to shoot at Papschmier with a with a gun with no bullets in it and then she points the gun at her head and then to, yeah and she is essentially like yeah hypnotized a hypnotized assassin yeah and Ludwig is like see what I can do yeah and we so can make anyone our assassin so I, I feel this is probably a reference to like the Manchurian candidate now in the terms of just using these people as kind of like these brainwashed uh, sleeper cells, we start to, you're right, realize that this may end up in an attempted assassination of the Queen of England. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't even remember this at all. Yeah. Did you remember any of this? Um, I remember, It's again, it's a scene that I remember as it's happening, but I, I I did not recall what the plot of the naked gun was, except that, you know, it, it's going to climax in a baseball game with the queen at it. You know, that's kind of the the extent of the story that I know. <laughs> <you> know? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but in the meantime, so 
Frank goes to visit Nordberg in the hospital, and then the doctor has been hypnotized, assume like we can assume by Ludwig, right. to try and kill Nordberg. Yep. So Frank thwarts it just in the nick of time, uh, not before uh, causing more bodily harm to Nordberg, <laughs> who is uh, in some still in some kind of coma or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm not exactly sure what's happening with Nordberg's reputation here. Like I thought, someone told him that Nordberg was a dirty cop and. He was involved in the drug deal or whatever, but really, you know, Nordberg just sort of stumbled upon it, right? So these yeah. criminals were trying to pin it on Nordberg. Okay, but that okay. sort of that plot kind of goes nowhere. Yeah, it, it kind of confused me a bit. I think. Okay, so Frank chases this doctor tries to kill Nordberg, and Frank chases him out of the window <laughs> and kind of stumbles on Nordberg and like puts his butt in his face and stuff. <laughs> and oh, hilarious! <laughs> hilarious! A grown man puts his butt in another man's face. Who's <laughs> 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 impossible? He laughs. So, so the the doctor um, flags down a car, and um, where does he say to go? I can't remember, but he's like, you know, follow follow that vehicle. And then um, there's an old man in the front and a, a young woman, and the old man says, "Okay." Uh, release your foot from the brake pedal and then Frank turns around and sees that it says, you know, teen student driver at the back. I think this is kind of one of the better comedy sequences in the movie actually, you know, to the the whole student driver sequence. Yeah, it's funny because then Frank is sort of forcing the student driver to to get into this police chase. Yes, and yes. Stephanie is her name. <laughs> Stephanie. Right. And then they get cut off by like a truck or something? Yeah, so they start going down into a parking lot which is a, a one-way street. And I think the, uh, the instructors are like, normally you would not be going the wrong way on a one-way street. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is a pretty good scene. Yeah, there's this giant like Mack truck coming up from them. And so you know she has to reverse to get out. And once uh, um, she's kind of pulled out of the way, the driver is like this you know, mustached trucker dude says to her, like, why don't you watch where you're going, you dumb broad? And then um, the instructor says... Calmly extend your arm, like <laughs> release your middle finger. <laughs> and uh, I know it's a pretty funny scene. That was w- actually that gag stuck with me. From yeah, yeah, I, I remember, remember that. like that being a funny one, like when we were kids. Yeah, like, that's a pretty funny. Uh, I, I remember that one too. Yeah, um, the driving instructor telling her how to give the finger. That's <laughs> 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 Again, it's so simple, but um, but <laughs> but pretty funny. Um, you know, yeah, like these gags, they're they're well executed, like the stunts. A lot of somersaults, uh, cartwheels. Yeah, there's some in this movie, yeah. Uh, a lot. If you want to see a 60-year-old do some cartwheels, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> Again, like, I'm going to give him uh, some more props. Um, and, like, a lot of them seem to be done in one take, right? Like, switching from... Because this is when Frank comes home, right? This is what happens next. Right. He comes home, and, like, his door's ajar. Mm-hmm. So someone's in his apartment. And... Yep. And that's when he's sort of like somersaulting and cartwheeling around the house. Yeah, and he's doing this weird parkour thing and and trying to find out who, like if someone is broken in. Which yeah. I don't know if you did this type of thing, but as a kid, after seeing movies like this, I would do this. Like I'd run into a room and like <laughs> hide behind a bed or like jump up and like you know roll around and like <laughs> pretend like I was sneaking up on someone. But <laughs> I, I, I want to say I did, but I'm not <laughs> sure if it's true. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how a somersault would would help you out in that situation, like just rolling it's, on the floor. It's hard to do. Like I want to learn how to do a cartwheel, but my place is too small. So I don't, and I don't want to go outside in like the commons and do it because I don't want everyone to watch me before I'm good at it. 
So I don't know. Yeah. I wish there was room to do somersaults indoors. Well, if maybe Leslie Nielsen can show you. Maybe. Or could have shown you. R.I.P. Leslie Nielsen did pass away in uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and the world was a sadder place, no doubt. But <laughs> for now, he's alive <laughs> and well in 1988. And... Uh, he comes home, and so someone's in his place, and mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be an assailant, but someone's in his kitchen. Sure enough, it's Jane. And what's she doing? She's Boiling meat. Boiling <laughs> a roast of some type, yeah. <laughs> it's like, how do you like your meat? It's like, very wet and hot, or something <laughs> gross like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, very wet and awfully hot. Or yeah. Or yeah, yeah, very hot and awfully wet. <laughs> uh yeah well so the sexual tension is through the roof here mm-hmm. um and i don't know what th- who they thought the audience was going to be for this film but i mean it's like hey kids like if you want to watch some 60 somethings engage in a <laughs> lot of sex <laughs> right. this is a movie for you <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think part of the appeal when you're a kid is that it is a little over, like, you know it's a little wrong, and you shouldn't be watching it, and I kind of think that's what kids like about it, too. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, and their jokes, like, honestly, like, there's a good one coming up where she just starts, like, kissing his finger, and, he, and he's <laughs> like, if you like that, I've got nine more. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty. <Yeah. laughs> that, I mean, that might be my favorite line in the film. Um and, and, and there's also a part I really like in this scene where uh, Frank is talking about like some ex of his who like died in a blimp crash, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Jane says Goodyear, and he says the worst. It's <laughs> a good line. <laughs> yeah, see, like you miss some of those jokes. Yep. This other stuff is is coming at you just relentlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're getting really, really hot and getting to know each other. Um, and then Jane has, this is a big line that uh, I think made my grade six teacher possibly regret his decision to show a whole class of kids this movie <laughs> when she goes, I want you to know I practice safe sex. And then it cuts to them wearing full body condoms. Yes. <laughs> which is actually <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I, I don't even think I'd seen a condom at this point in my life. Right. Like, I, the joke was kind of lost on me. I'm like, oh, they're wearing these big rubber like raincoats. Yeah, like <laughs> what would the kids in your class, how would they respond to that? Like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, and it's just funny because they're just wearing these big condoms and making out. Yeah. And I think that's actually them in the condoms. <laughs> I think so. I mean, maybe your teacher thought it would safely go over all your heads. I don't know. Um, well, it went over somebody's head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so cut to the love montage. Uh, which is is actually pretty funny. So we see them having basically a day of nonstop loving loving events. <laughs> right. <laughs> like yeah. they're walking through a park. They're on a beach. Yep. They go to a movie. This is pretty funny. When they uh, leave the yeah. movie, laughing their asses off, and then you see <laughs> what the movie is. It's Platoon. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah. That's the joke I always remember too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So just cavorting in the sunshine, getting some cotton candy, and. Um, yeah, I like when they're running down the beach and they're holding hands and then some other couples approaching them doing the same thing and uh, Frank and Jane clothesline them. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good clothesline. <laughs> it's true, <yeah. laughs> Like, that was just expertly timed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have a lovely day and uh, and she says, well, can I interest you in a nightcap? 
no thanks, I don't wear them. I, yeah, that's another <laughs> joke I loved. Yeah, <laughs> I don't wear them. <laughs> um, so then Frank goes to Ludwig's place. Is this where we go next? Uh, sounds about right. It's around here, yeah. Yeah, so he, he thinks Ludwig's up to something, right? I think, does Jane tip him off amidst all the the sex and love? Does she sort of say Ludwig's up to something? I don't I don't remember what happened. Maybe. I feel he's just suspicious, though. And <laughs> story is very vague in this movie. So, that's why so yeah. he does somehow figure out that he needs to investigate Ludwig's apartment. So he mm. goes there, and he's snooping around. Yeah. And uh, He opens a drawer and says... Bingo. <laughs> it's a bingo card. It's a bingo card, yeah. That's, again, the type of hilarious hijinks <laughs> you can expect from Naked Gun uh, mm-hmm. Tales from the Police Squad. <laughs> um, so then Frank stumbles onto a plot to kill the queen, and it's like he, he's found like evidence that they're planning to do to uh, that Ludwig is is planning to to start this, get this assassination going. Um, but then he winds up uh, accidentally setting his whole apartment on fire, yeah, and burning the evidence because he's he's reading this message by like uh, with a match or something, and it catches fire, and. Um, you know, he struggles to put it out and destroys some gigantic painting in the process. Yeah, never read incriminating uh, (laughs) evidence (laughs) next to matches. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So he he burns everything down and then has to make an escape uh, along the building. So he hops out the window and starts climbing around the window. Mm -hmm. And... uh, There's very graphically naked statues around (laughs) it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, male and female, male and female uh, yeah. with, uh, you know, body parts just right out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got uh, you got some wangs and you got some hooters. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> he's grabbing onto everything <laughs> and uh, and not looking where he's going. And and then he, he goes. <laughs> now, this was hilarious as a kid. I remember this. And he's like pawing along the side of the building and he gets to an open window. And for some reason, there's a half-naked woman there and he just happens to grope her and he keeps groping it like it feels right. wouldn't that feel different like than it feels the different than the other statues yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh then he uh accidentally <laughs> breaks off one of the wangs of the statues and stumbles into this poor woman's apartment uh waving this wang and uh you know that's pretty terrifying <laughs> totally, <yeah. laughs> for anyone uh so she of course uh files uh charges yeah so he's sort of on thin ice now after this whole situation but there's a reception coming up for the queen right like a hotel yes yeah (laughs) so this is like the final straw yeah um yeah but then this is again where like the the mayor reveals you know that frank's just had a a series of bad of bad uh mishaps happen Mm mm-hmm it's not like some hotel lounge or something that uh, there's a reception for the queen. Um, yeah, why would it be at a... <laughs> it seems like a pretty cheap place to have a reception I, for I the queen. I guess so, yeah. Well, you know, they get what they can budget in the movie. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're serving a cake with the queen's face on it. Like, that was yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty <laughs> graphically cut, like, right next to her eyeball. Yeah, so uh, the queen is going to be at this reception, and Frank and Ed are there. Just checking, uh, you know, they're uh, inspecting everyone, looking for someone who could be potentially uh, the assailant right. of the queen. So they're they're on high alert. Um, and then this is where Frank uh, 
winds up having a little mishap with the queen. <laughs> right, right. Well, um, how does that start again? Like, I don't know. He just sort of stumbles into her, and then next thing you know, he flies on top of her. Do you know what how it started? I can't remember. Uh, I know they like they slide down the table. Um, As if they are, they look like they are, uh, yeah. you know, getting romantical. And they slide along this table, and then the paparazzi are there, and they take all these photos. And next thing you know, it's front page news. Frank and the queen on, on a table. Yeah. Essentially looking like they're they're getting amorous. Yeah, and uh, then and then the, we cut to, I think it's Ed complaining about how bad the news is now. It's like, how is this even news? Like, you know, uh, when a man's like arms are around the queen on a table, like something <laughs> <laughs> weird like that. And, uh, yeah, a little understated. Uh, that's pretty funny. So, the queen is on quite this tour of California. So she goes from this uh, hotel banquet to a uh, California Angels baseball game, mm-hmm. which uh, I love 80s baseball game movie sequences. Okay, how come? <laughs> I don't know, because I always, w- as a kid, you think, wow, how did they shoot a whole movie during the baseball game? And I'm not sure if right. some of this was actually shot during a game, but there are scenes which clearly look like they aren't actually at a California Angels baseball game because they show the fans in the stands and none of them are wearing California Angels hats or shirts or anything okay, like that. Yeah. Uh, but then there's one or two where there's like a very concentrated group of people who are. And I mm-hmm. mean, you know, if you go to a baseball game, you're going to be wearing team colors. Yeah. Right, right. So we go to the baseball game and Queen Elizabeth is going to be there. Uh, but Jane has told Frank that the plot to assassinate the Queen is going to happen at the baseball game. Also, side note, can, can I just say the actor playing Queen Elizabeth? She's yeah. pretty good. She's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> they got a good look-alike. And like, she, as she a has kid, I think I thought it was the actual Queen. Totally, yeah. She has that wave mannerism down quite well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Frank uh, is determined to stop this, even though he's been kicked off the force. He is going to save the Queen at all costs, uh, which uh, the first cost is uh, sneaking onto the field disguised as opera singer. Enrico Palazzo. Enrico Palazzo, yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great name. Yeah, so he sneaks up on uh, Enrico Palazzo, who's supposed to uh, like sing the national anthem, mm-hmm. and uh, Frank, of course, knocks him out. Oh, we didn't count all the times he knocks out people, but there's a few coming up. Right, well, so he knocks out the real Enrico Palazzo to become him. And then after he does the national anthem, he knocks out the umpire. To become the umpire. <laughs> 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 yeah, he knocks him out with a baseball bat. Right. Also, another huge laugh for me was the escalation of the sports bloopers on the screen. Which oh, yeah, were yeah. pretty good. They go from uh, outfielders bumbling mm-hmm. uh, of catching a ball to a uh, car driving on the field <laughs> and running over a shortstop. Yeah. <laughs> then like a tiger, a tiger attacking thing. a guy at second base. Yeah. <laughs> to a guy's head falling off. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of like people must have really liked watching TV for the bloopers, sports bloopers then because you couldn't just see them online all the time, you know. Um, oh, yeah, sports bloopers were huge. You could, like, send mm-hmm. away for tapes. Like, that was a major incentive to get a Sports Illustrated subscription. Oh, really? Because if you s- signed up for a year, you'd get a tape of, like, 1988's greatest <laughs> baseball bloopers. bloopers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Sports bloopers. Yeah, that's exactly. Now we take it. Ad- 
taken yeah. for granted. They're, they're less of a rarity, yeah. So what else is happening at the at the baseball game? There's like some two bums sitting in the queen's seats. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that was pretty good. Like yeah. clearly, those are uh, yeah. designated reserved seating. Yeah, they're for like these royalty. Red, like gilded chairs, and uh, <laughs> they're just like smoking. I don't know what they're doing in them. And uh, they're like, "Could you guys please move down?" And uh, and the queen sits there, and then she's asked to throw the first pitch. Yeah, what an arm on the queen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she throws like one of those classic, like crazy. Baseball pitches. Yeah, perfect football spiral. Yeah, no, really good. Uh, Al the tall cop shows up. Uh, basically, just a lot of baseball gags ensue. I think mm-hmm. I feel like the the writing team of this movie were huge baseball fans, and they've it's just like been me. like stockpiling like years of baseball jokes. So yep. like, come on, guys, let's just hit them with like ten minutes of straight baseball gags. <laughs> um, I think at this point in the movie, I'd been slapped in the face with so many gags that I was just completely goofy and I was just <laughs> giggling ridiculously That's at awesome. anything that happened here. Like, you know, like the montage of Frank disguised as an umpire and he's like frisking everyone <laughs> right, on the right. field. Any chance he gets, like there's an altercation happening or there's someone sliding home and he's just like Essentially feeling <laughs> them all up to see if yeah. they're carrying weapons uh, in case yes. it could be killing the, the Crossing queen. some boundaries, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, are you a baseball fan? Uh, uh, not really, no. I'm, uh, I, I've never really followed sports too much. Well, so how did you find this scene? Like, uh, this it's m- fun. You don't have to be a baseball fan to like it, although you can probably appreciate it on a different level if you are. Um, but yeah, I think there's just there's sort of a joy to it, especially as Frank becomes an umpire and you know starts doing his own dances and working the crowd and stuff. Yeah, no, those like are good he's scenes. cheering when he calls people out. Yeah, <laughs> he's like getting the crowd hype. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um, I'd actually forgotten how much I really enjoyed that scene as a kid. Like this mm-hmm. again, it took me back to yeah, being like a ten year old or something. Like it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are your favorite parts of this baseball sequence? Every baseball gag is executed pretty well, mm-hmm. and it, it d- really did have that 80s feel, and, like, all the baseball players are, you know, they look very 80s. And I think there's one gag where they're, like, there's, like, three guys named, like, Jay or Jim or something, which seemed okay. like a, a very baseball name. It's like, oh, it's Jim. He's a pitch to Jim, and here's Jim's <laughs> up at the bat. <laughs> um, all the gyms are there. Yeah. I may have imagined that because I was just in some <laughs> sort of goof stupor. Uh <laughs> Speaking of goofed stupors, Mm -hmm. uh, basically this huge brawl breaks out on the field based on uh, Frank's terrible umpiring. And this is now (laughs) the perfect chance for Ludwig to unleash his hypnotized assailant. Right. So coming from the outfield, and I had to do a double take. I was like, wait a second. That looks like Reggie Jackson, Mm -hmm. baseball Hall of Fame all-star player, the great Reggie Jackson. Yeah, but playing a different player. He's not himself in it, is he? Yeah, he's Reggie Jackson. Oh, is he? Yeah, and he is uh, the one who has now been hypnotized to assassinate the queen. So he pulls out a gun. Mm -hmm. I don't know where he was keeping that. (laughs) And uh, and he starts making his way uh, towards the queen. (laughs) Yeah, and and he has like that, I must kill the queen, which he keeps repeating. Yeah, (laughs) I like the cadence of it. Yeah, that's, I guess when you're a hypnotized zombie, that's, you just have to repeat your task. (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) Just so you know. 
<laughs> so you know, is that a Mariah Carey song? No, I don't know. Well, it's weird because like I think Naked Gun was a little before the Mariah Carey era, but Naked Gun two and a half ninety one, we were in full swing of Mariah. It's like Mariah Carey summer nineteen ninety one. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would have been her big breakout. Yeah. So this was 88 was the Weird Al era. Right. So 88, the end of um, Ronald Reagan, and I guess the music then, yeah, Weird Al, and the pop stars were like Madonna and MJ. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Mariah Carey ushered in right. the 90s. But we got completely sidetracked there for some reason unknown. No, but I think it's important because it shows that the naked gun signals a change in uh, um, the landscape both yeah. the presidents, the pop culture and guard, the, and the was pop changing. culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you think, I don't know, like the, even the '90s, though, like there were a lot more spoof movies happening because of this one, right? Right. So the directors of this actually did go on to do like Basketball mm-hmm. and uh, the Scary Movie, like Scary Movie Three, Four, and yeah, Five. Yeah, I think yeah, because the, the Wayne's Brothers did the first two, right? Yeah, then, you're right. Yeah. This did usher in a whole new era when I think. People saw, whoa, you made this for so cheap and it made so much money. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I do feel like we were bombarded with them. I mean, definitely the 90s was right. a big movie era for me. Like, I remember just, you know, renting movies and everything. And it was like, yeah, there were spoof movies for sure. out every week, it felt like. Or like, the, remember, like the Hot Shots movies, which yeah, I think yeah. was also by the Zucker Abrams Zucker team. Oh, and that um, would have been after this. That would have been after this, yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So they were just looking for the next naked gun. Yep, yep. Interesting. Yeah, when you look at it that way, it is. this really did set off this whole new kind of spoof. Mm-hmm. Spoof-averse? Spoof-averse, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the spoof genre. Um, so back to Reggie. Reggie's about to kill the queen, but luckily Frank thwarts him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love it. So as the umpire stops him, and then this guy, like he takes a, you know, Frank reveals who he is, and the guy, uh, a guy in the stands, yells out, "Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo!" Right. And 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 even though like it feels like when he's bombing the national anthem at the time, I think, um, but now everyone's like chanting Enrico Palazzo, like he's their hero. And the guy that says, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, it's yeah. Francis, right? <laughs> it's Francis. I yeah, didn't notice Mark that before. Mark Holden. I was like, yeah. I was like, it's either Francis or the guy from UHF who laughs like the son. I always thought, I was like, is that the same guy? Is but, it the same guy? You know, he's like, ah, 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 <laughs> That sort of famous laugh. Right, right. We'll save that for a future episode. But yeah, Francis, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, and this would have been... Is this before Pee-wee's Big Adventure? This is probably uh, after. It's, it's like, yeah, it's after. Yeah. Um, uh, so Frank has stopped Reggie Jackson, but uh, but then Ludwig uh, is revealed to be the true mastermind, and Frank kills him. <laughs> yeah. and uh, With the dart, right? He uses the, the, dart. Uh, the cufflink dart. And then who's standing by? Is it, It's not Jane. It's oh, yeah. Then Jane gets hypnotized. So now we're at the end of the movie, and Jane is hypnotized, and she's about to kill him, but Frank reveals his true love to her in this, like, glorious monologue, yep. which somehow is broadcast to everyone at the baseball diamond. So I guess there's, like, a cameraman who is also <laughs> projecting it right. on the Jumbotron. And it, it turns into, like, a big love fest because everyone's seeing it, and 
they hug whoever's next to them and there's like a guy one of the announcers is like i'm sorry i always yell at you and then you we see like some guy making out with his dog or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah all the all the players are now from the opposing teams they've stopped fighting uh this speech has really just filled everyone's hearts with joy mm-hmm. and has overcome the evil uh assassinating hypnosis and jane uh you know embraces frank and their you know love is in the air it's, it's beautiful yep. Yep. um and then nordberg shows up and oh. it turns out he's going to be okay and he's in a wheelchair frank like slaps him on the back and i remember this sequence yes, vividly yes. me too so yeah frank slaps him on the back like you know in a way to go type gesture and nordberg um uh, his wheelchair rolls down the stairs of the stadium <laughs> and then he hits like a fence or something and flips up in the air a bunch of times and then the end credits come on. That was our feel-good ending. Yeah, and, but <laughs> <laughs> seeing Nordberg go flipping off. I got to say, those special effects were really good. They were. They when were. he gets pushed down the stairs, like, I don't know how many times they shot this. And again, this is all shot on film. Mm-hmm. No CGI, no digital editing. So it's true. They had, it's like a, that was a crazy gag to set up. They had that rigged pretty well. And it's, sometimes, it's weird, like, sometimes they try to be you know like make it look really good like that and then there's other times where like uh where ludwig is carrying jane up the stairs and she's obviously a mannequin you know but but i i think that's deliberate too it's just kind of how they do it in bad movies they just have a mannequin and make it obvious you know it was done very well yeah and uh and so concludes the naked gun and it right. wouldn't be until i think it was like three or four years later before the next one came out what was it 91 you were saying it was 91 so yeah it was three years later and then do you remember the name of the second uh, one? The Naked Gun Two and a Half: The Smell of Fear. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the third one right. was the final insult. Yeah, Naked Gun Thirty Three and a Third: The Final Insult. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all had Weird Al in them, right? Oh, do they? I think they all have a Weird Al cameo. Honestly, I have forgotten so much of the other two as well. I just remembered when you said you wanted to watch this movie for the podcast, I was like, yeah, let's do sweet, it. Sweet. I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't think, this wouldn't be a movie that I would have watched again anytime soon. Like, I wasn't really like, okay, but that's why I do this podcast, because mm-hmm, it's a great mm-hmm. excuse to hang out with friends and watch movies that, oh, I haven't watched this in a while. Right. So, again, my recollections of the film uh, I were happy memories as a kid, but I've never really like thought to rewatch it. Yeah, I've never yeah. had that need, so I think it was a good choice to pick. Oh, cool! Um, I was kind of the same. I might not have rewatched it if it wasn't for this opportunity. Okay, well, yeah. this is the point in the podcast where we uh, we answer the big question: Mark Palermo, do you still like this movie? You know, I do. I, I think it's. It's not the revelation, like, if I saw it, at, you know, in, the, in this year for the first time, it would not, at my age, it wouldn't hit me the same way that it hit me when I was in fifth grade. Um, but I still do think it's really quite funny. You know, I think there's, like, it's really committing to making you laugh. Um, I think that it's, the jokes are well-conceived. It has, like, a lot of really funny sequences in it. Uh, I still found myself laughing at it. There's a couple other lines that like I, I singled out. I, I like part where um, <laughs> two people come up to Frank and one says, Drebin. The other says, Frank. And he's like, you're both right. I don't know. That's a great <laughs> line. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good one. And I, don't, I think like, you know, it's a very specific sensibility that would like a movie like this. Um, but uh, um, I think 
for what it is, it's about as good as it can be. And I don't think that it's like, it hasn't aged itself too badly in the, the way that like a lot of movies from this era have. Um, for example, like Naked Gun 33 and a third has a transphobic joke that has not aged well. This movie doesn't have stuff like that. Or like Ace Ventura has a joke like that also. Um, it's all like a, a pretty good time. Yeah. Do you think in it would hold up if they did a re-release right now in 20, 2020? Could this movie hold up? Yeah, I think so. Because like, look, we're or I at least I'm watching it last night and I'm still laughing at it. Um, it holds up. I, it would be less fresh, though, just because I feel that it has inspired a lot of things. Um, so the extent to which you have to put your mind back into imagining that it, w it was new might have something to do with that. But still, like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's not stale. These are still pretty good jokes. And even when they're bad jokes, they're still sort of funny just because they bothered to tell them in the first place, you know? Yeah, it's it we've said it throughout this episode. It is just a nonstop, relentless, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> attack of gags and spoofs and jokes. And it's a bit much like I know why they took three years between movies because immediately mm -hmm. after watching this, I could not, I, I was, I'm not craving to go see another. Oh, I need right. to see the next one like right away. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I think part of that is like there's nothing in this movie to recommend it beyond the jokes in it. Like it's all there is. So if you're someone who like cares about movies, they, where you're really invested in the characters or in the story. All that stuff is just kind of the background here, mm -hmm. you know. I really, you know, I I still like this, and uh, again, I'm not in a rush to watch any more of these movies anytime soon. <laughs> but it is funny now, like we were just talking about how there was a slew of these types of movies then, like into the '90s, and just it, you just kind of got they wore you down after a while. No, totally. And it's like, oh well, Leslie Nielsen's in another one. Like it just became parodies of themselves. But in this one, m I would say that like. 80% of the jokes are pretty timeless and yep. really well thought out. Like the gags executed well, uh, kind of fun. I think definitely if you understand older police shows and police movies and stuff, you'll, you'll get a lot more out of this. It is hard to recommend, I think, to new audiences. Like you were saying, you mm -hmm. just watched it. You watched it with your cousin yep. and she had never seen it. Uh -huh. So watching it like present day, did she enjoy it? Did she laugh? Like, um, as it began, like I, she said to me within the first five minutes, like I hate movies like this. <laughs> and then, uh, but by the end of it, like she was laughing at it, and I kind of got the impression that it was, it surprised her by being slightly better than she thought it would be. Mm -hmm. But I still don't really think it's her type of movie. Yeah, like who do you think the original target for this was? Were they just aim? I feel like it was aimed like right at like eight to fourteen year old boys. I sort of feel that way too. Yeah. It's but like Mad Magazine almost, right? Yeah, yeah. But even then, I think, like, like I remember going to see Police Academy 5, Assignment Miami Beach, the same year in theaters with my dad. And it was, like, not that good. And you could even as a kid, you kind of sensed it wasn't good. And I think, like, you know, he liked The Naked Gun a lot better than he liked that movie. So I think, like, even as, like, an older person, you can still respond to it because we still have sort of that childish element inside of us right mm. um but yeah i do think like if you see this movie would love what were the ages you said 
I feel like eight to fourteen. Yeah, if you see it at that age, then yeah, it's like it's your favorite movie. Yeah, yeah, and because <laughs> it's just like stupid jokes. Like you kind of feel like you're getting away with something if you're like watching it. Like oh, this is like a little bit adult, or this is you know totally. I shouldn't yeah. be seeing this. And then there's a lot of stuff that goes over your head. Now I would not put this anywhere in my top movie comedies. Okay. You know, yeah, it, it's. You know, it's nowhere near like we mentioned UHF. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I enjoy UHF way more than this, right. and I find the characters more likable. I think with Naked Gun, because it is such an uh, assault on your uh, comedic senses, mm-hmm. that it's it is a bit exhausting. Like after I watched it, totally. I was like, okay, good. It's, I've got to go to bed now. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's probably good that it's only eighty-five minutes long yeah. in a way because you couldn't really take much more of it. Yeah. You know. But as a kid, you'd watch it over and over, and and like I feel like this was like perfect like mm-hmm. birthday party or you know, yeah. I always use the analogy like oh the uh, the parents are gone, just stick the kids in front of the TV and put this movie on, and you and gonna, this is a good one for that, yeah, yeah, um, and then all the kids just quote all the jokes to each other and stuff, right? Yeah, I, I also feel like you know for a movie that is nonstop jokes, it's it um it's structured pretty well in that it, it actually gets kind of better as it goes along. Like the baseball sequence might be like the best part of the movie. Um so that even that you don't you're not like really bored of it exactly by the time it's over because it's like it's just keeps like accelerating in a way. Yeah, you yeah, know? and you don't have a chance to catch your breath. And yeah. maybe that is part of the the joke exhaustion um, that that it hits you with, like, yeah, you don't get any chance to just say, "Oh, okay, what's happening now?" And mm-hmm. maybe that's why we don't remember the plot. Yeah, totally. And uh, if I have time, uh, I'll tell you just a couple more brief stories. Please um, do. So when I was in seventh grade English class, it was tough. It was like a very strict English teacher, and she wanted us to like write stories like every week, and we had to read them all in front of the class, and everyone was like you know, telling these stories about their summer vacation, but I wanted to write actual fiction. And there's a part in The Naked Gun where Frank says to Ed, you take chances in life, Ed, whether it's waking up in the morning, crossing the street, or sticking your face in a fan. And uh, <laughs> I wrote a movie, I wrote a, a, a story called The Man Who Stuck His Face in a Fan. And from that point on, I was a comedy legend in my seventh grade English class, and I had to keep producing stories like that. So Naked Gun was an important movie for me in in developing that sensibility. I don't know how long it lasted, but I just had that reputation of writing the funny stories in English. That's awesome. What was the the movie, or what was the story about? I know it ended with a guy sticking his face in a fan and was kind of tragic, but I I made it (laughs) funny. I don't remember why he did. Well, that's great. And uh, like Mad Magazine or any of these things where you you get so many jokes thrown at you, mm-hmm. you kind of can pick and choose which ones you think are the funniest. When it's That's right. When you're like, oh, this is a comedy, but what do I like? Like, let me pick and choose my favorite jokes from this or that. And that is it is a great thing. I mean, yeah, I love writing jokes as well. I've been doing it my life as well. So that's, yeah, this is definitely one of those early comedy films that... Uh, Totally. You then, yeah. And it works on like different levels that way because there's a lot of like really good slapstick in it, but the writing's actually pretty clever too. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of good verbal lines in it, you know. Um, so yeah, so I think it sort of connects to a lot of different kinds of comedy fans that way. Yeah, and uh, well, it definitely deserves its place on the uh, the video rental. Hall of Fame shelf. <laughs> yeah, I sort of wonder what it would be like to see this movie in the theater when it was new, like. 
does this movie benefit from being watched on TV? I don't know. I, I it just it feels does feel like a very VHS movie to me also, you know. Yeah, like I mean audiences, I guess if you're out on like a date night or something, there's there is a little something in there for everybody, right? Like yeah. you could watch it with the family, you could watch it, you know, with your partner. Mm-hmm. It's uh yeah, it's it's funny. Like I'm glad I watched it. I don't need to watch it anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um I guess I would if I had to babysit a room full of like eight to fourteen year olds. <laughs> be the way to do it. Yeah. I'd probably show them that, you know. If I, if I yeah. met like some kid and I'm like, "You've never seen the Naked Gun," <laughs> all right, you know, buckle up. It would keep them entertained. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. This has been awesome. It's been great. Um, I'm glad you still like the movie. I'm glad we got to uh, to share this rewatch together. And uh, you know, shout out Leslie Nielsen. I mean, again. Pretty impressive. He was 62, and then they made two more films after this, plus all the other other spoofs. Yeah. Um, definitely for like late in his career to have such a huge yeah. film, uh, really that launched a franchise and a whole genre. It is it is incredibly impressive as a as a Canadian actor. It's it's pretty cool. That's true. Yeah, it had a kind of late career resurgence that way by doing these like spoof movies. Yeah. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. All right. All well, right. we will catch you next time for Do You Still Like This Movie? Now, please, give me some credits. The Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. Lieutenant Frank Drebin's on the case. He's odd, but he can do it all. A master of disguise, giving a straight face and looking surprised. Pretty spry for a 60-year-old guy. I'd like to see you give a cartwheel a try. Perfect if you want to get stupid in your future. A goof stupor of spoofs and lewd humor and poop bloopers. Yeah, what's happening? A lot of gags solving crimes by accident. Is it a great film? Well, that depends, yo. Do you like to laugh at crass innuendo? Do you need a plot or would you rather just chuckle at Leslie Nielsen giving the queen a cuddle? If the answer's yes and you love making fun, you could do a lot worse than the naked gun. Shout out Peter Project on the beat. And to all of you for tuning in. We'll be back in your ears in 2020. All right. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.